welcome to you all from Worcester Talking News in conjunction with Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Recorded on Thursday, June the 1st and covering the week beginning the 26th of May. The team this evening are Sue Parry, Patsy Sweetland, myself Kate Hudman and our engineer Barry Hurd. All administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her team. We will bring you, as always, this week's headline stories and further interesting articles, sport, entertainment at local theatres, etc., some useful telephone numbers, sunrise and sunset, and we will look into our birthday book as well. The thought for the day and the obituaries are, for, are our final contribution, and they, the, the recording is closed with some nice music. Um, we welcome you to contact us whenever you need to or you feel you'd like to, either by telephone or if you wish to put a notice in your wallet when you return it, that's fine too. We can't always respond straight away, but we will acknowledge everything that you send to us. And of course, we welcome all new listeners. The service also provides a talking magazine once a month and a talking book service. And the service is free and more details are available on our website. Right, and now I will have a look in the birthday book and just see what we have this week, who we have a birthday for. Let's see. Ah, right. Um, we have one birthday this week. We have Terry Roberts, whose birthday is on the 8th of June. So we wish you, Terry, a very, very happy birthday indeed. And we hope you have a lovely day and the sun shines for you too. And now I'm going to hand over to Sue, who will give you some useful telephone numbers. Um, the first one is um, our number, and it's 01905 767 766. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance between 6pm and 8pm is 0300 123. 3211. Crime Stoppers is 0800-555-111. Community Risk Team, that's for fire safety, is 0800-032-1155. And Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800-980-3331. Worcestershire County Council, here to help, is 01905 768053 and ask for option 3. Worcester Hub is 01905 765765. Sense Adventurers Walking for the Visually Impaired, Telephone D. Jones on 01684 or mobile number 07920 The Samaritans, which is a free number, is 116123. Worcester Theatre's box office is 01905. 611427. The Morven Theatre Box Office is 168 oh sorry 
start again, 01684892277. The Norbury Theatre, Droitwich Box Office is 01905 770154. Number 8 Theatre in Pershaw, the box office is 01386 555488. The National Grid, formerly Western Power, telephone number is 0800-917-7953 and it's a 24-hour service. Use this in the event of a power cut. There is prior a priority service register free on 0800-032-8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. And I've also got the um, sunrises at the moment at 4.54am and it sets at 9.20pm. Thank you, Sue. OK, for now for some theatre announcements. Thank you, Patsy. Starting off with Worcester Theatres. Three items at the Huntingdon Hall. Firstly, the Conservatoire Folk Ensemble, which is on Friday 9th of June to 7.30. £18 or £16 concessions. Or the next one is Henry Normal, Saturday 10th of June to 7.30. 1750 or £15 concessions. And then we have another one here, also at the Huntington, which is the Midland Con Concert Orchestra, uh, making their debut, performing the golden era of swing. Midland Concert Orchestra, MCO, will be at the Swan Theatre next weekend. Previously known as the West Midland Light Orchestra, and now under the baton of its young conductor, Joe Davis, the orchestra say they've gone from strength to strength, attracting many new young aspiring musicians to join them. Playing songs from the American popular songbook, the orchestra felt it was the right time to change its name to fully reflect the music that they love and play. Joe said we are a unique, a big band with strings echoing the likes of Harry James, Artie Shaw and even Benny Goodman, who added strings to his later orchestra. We're the only orchestra of its kind that I know of and very proud to have the name Midland now in our title. Joining musical director Joe Davis on stage will be guest vocalists Claire Warboys, Venetia Eager and Jonathan Darby and compare for the evening Peter Tomlinson. Peter is president of the MCO and well known to many as the originators of Tis Was, a children's television series aired on Saturday mornings. Peter said, I have always been a big band fan, even though it wasn't fashionable to admit, whilst buckets of water and custard pies were the order of the day in the 70s. And I still play drums in a jazz band, and I love comparing concerts. The MCO is such a wonderful collection of musicians, and all monies raised from this event will be reinvested into the orchestra. So please do come along and support Watch Your Orchestra. Your concert will feature songs by Gershwin, Rogerson Hart, Glenn Miller and others from the Golden Age of Swing. With more than 40 musicians and several guest singers who regularly perform with the MCO family, everyone brings their unique musical talent to each performance. Performance takes place on Sunday the 4th of June, 
Doors open at 7pm with tickets available from the Swan Theatre and the website priced at £15 for adults and £5 for under-18s. So that's Worcester. Two more items though, a little lighter tone again. We've got at the Swan Theatre, Tasha Leeper as Madonna, Friday the 9th of June at 7.30, £22. Uh, hits just keep coming along in this dynamic tribute to the undisputed Queen of Pop, Madonna. Tasha takes you back through the years performing Madonna's greatest hits. She has the looks, the voice and the moves to make for a truly authentic experience. This show gives you a replica dance routine, iconic costume changes and overall a high energy concert experience. And finally at the Swan we have, it's called Rock, Rock Shadow. And it's Harder Rock Productions present the UK Rock Show. Saturday 10th of June to 7.30 £25. And it says, get ready to be transported back to the 80s heyday of classic rock. Combining the feel of a rock festival with the atmosphere of a top-end rock arena tour. Expect fireworks, flames, amazing lighting and exacting attention to detail at this amazing five-piece band. Recreating hits from the rock gods such as Journey, Aerosmith, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Kiss, ACDC, Van Halen and many more. Sounds exciting. Right, and now we've got number eight, the Pershaw Theatre. And we've got a programme here called uh, the Royal Opera Il Travatore. And that's Passions Run High as Manrico and the Count de Luna compete for the affections of Leonora. Little do they know that a curse from the past will rise up. Starring Ludovic Tazier and Jamie Barton, Adele Thomas's energetic station sets Verdi's tale in a Hieronymus Bosch-inspired universe. Antonio Papano conducts Verdi's dramatic score, which fe features the famous Anvil Chorus, and a co-production with Oppenhaus Zurich, broadcast live from the Royal Opera House London. And that's Tuesday the 13th of June at 715 and tickets are £17, senior £16, and a three-hour, 25-minute show to include the intervals. And finally, from um, Perschel, we have the Berliner Philharmonica Live Summit Concert, and they present Bartok, Concerto for Piano and Orchestra No. 2, Tchaikovsky, Symphony No. 4 in F minor, Op. 36. As Zubin Menta and Yefim Bronfan bring you Bartok's highly virtuosic Piano Concerto No. 2, an ideal work for Bronfman's vigorous, soulful playing. Meta also conducts Tchaikovsky's dramatic Fourth Symphony. Piano is Yefim Bronfan, conducted Zubin Menta. And that's Friday the 16th of June at 6.30. Tickets are 16, 16 and under £10. And that's two hours, 15 minutes to include an interval. And then we have Malvern. And this is called, uh, I think it looks like, a sensational 60s experience. Brings you a spectacular pure nostalgia. The show with a definite feel-good factor will transport you back to that magical decade as five legendary names take you to the stage and deliver to you a night never to be forgotten. Whether you come to relive your childhood memories or you just simply want to see what your parents have been raving about for all those years, come and experience the musical phenomena of the 1960s for yourself. 
Full of timeless classics, this is a must-see 60s show. We've got Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch, The Trems, former memories of The Tremolos, The Fortunes, Mike Dabo, former lead singer with Manfred Mann, The Swinging Blue Jeans and Vanity Fair. And that's on Friday the 19th of May. It's, it's, I think it's actually gone, hasn't it, the 19th of May? Yeah, yeah. So. page. <laughs> and then we go to the last one here, which is Norbury in Droitwich. And again, this is uh, Wednesday, 21st, Saturday, 24th June, and the Norbury players... The Norbury players produce Anything Goes... Music and lyrics by Cole Porter, original book by P.G. Wodehouse, Anne Guy Bolton and Howard Lindsay and Russell Cruz. New book by Timothy Cruz and John Weedman. This version of Anything Goes was adapted from the 1987 Broadway revival, originally produced by Lincoln Centre Theatre. And it's described as a hilarious shipboard romp wrapped in one of Cole Porter's most magical scores. It's delightful, delicious and lovely with iconic songs including I Get a Kick Out of You, You're the Top, Blow, Gabriel Blow, and the spectacular toe-tapping Anything Goes. Uh, Reno Sweeney, the nightclub singer, sets sail from New York to England. Billy Crocker, her friend, has stowed away to be close to his true love, Hope Harcourt. However, Hope is engaged to Lord Evelyn Oakley, a wealthy English aristocrat, who is also aboard. Billy needs to avoid another passenger, his boss, Eli Whitney, a Wall Street tycoon, while he tries to win Hope's heart, aided by Reno and public enemy number one, 13, the moon face Martin. And that starts at 7.30, Saturday matinee, 2.30. Tickets, £15 or £13. Thank you very much indeed, Janet. I think we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll move on now to the headlines for the week. Um, this is the uh, the headline for Friday, May the 26th, and it's Fat Shamed to Surgery. A woman spends £20,000 having her um, leg tissue removed. A woman who said she was fat shamed for her tree trunk legs has spent 20000 on surgery. Emma Martin from Droitwich Spa claims her GP told her just lose weight when she brought up her concerns. It wasn't until she heard Love Island star Shauna Phillips talking about lipidemia that she realised her condition might be medical. <coughs> People with lipidemia see a build-up of fat and connective tissue in their legs, hips, bottom and sometimes arms. It is not the same as obesity, the NHS say. She said, I used to get a few comments at school. People were like, why are your legs bigger than mine? And I got called tree trunk legs. I had been to doctors and told me, who told me to lose weight. At 17, I was probably the smallest. The doctor told me to stop eating crisps and chocolate. It made me feel like it was my fault. I just thought I was always bigger. Lipidema affects 11% of women around the world and the condition is where fat 
or connective tissue builds up in legs, hips, bottom and arms. The 23-year-old said, I've never watched Love Island, but I saw Sean Phillips tweet her legs and they looked like mine. And that's when I went down a rabbit hole of research. After a lot of research and private consultation last year, Miss Martin was diagnosed with lipedema at 22 years old. Since then, Miss Martin has flown to Madrid twice to receive preventative surgery for her lipedema, and she plans to go for another surgery to remove the excess fat and tissue in June. She said, my size is not my fault. People think I am having surgery for cosmetic reasons, but it is a preventative surgery. Miss Martin said she has received backlash when she told her family and friends about her surgery. When you tell people they think it's just the same as going to Turkey and getting your teeth done. After already having two surgeries, she said, I feel so much better in everything I do. For years, I just thought I was not trying hard enough. I've been able to put on heels since, since and I feel much lighter. My legs would bruise and ache so much I knocked into a table and other girls with the same condition said they felt the same. But I didn't know that wasn't normal because as girls we're expected to go through a lot of pain, like period cramps. Since my diagnosis last year, I felt like I'm not going to bother covering up my legs anymore and I started wearing clothes I wouldn't normally wear. It felt like a huge relief, but it was bittersweet. At least I knew it wasn't my fault. Next article is from the Worcester Weekend News. and The headline is Visually Impaired Man Badly Hurt in Lift Shaft Fall. A visually impaired man fell down a lift shaft at Purdeswell Leisure Centre yesterday, leaving him potentially seriously hurt. The man who was in his 50s was treated at the scene before being taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham. Worcester City Council and the operators Freedom Leisure have now launched a joint investigation to discover how he came to fall down the shaft at the Bilford Road facility. Staff from the gym called emergency services immediately after the incident. A spokesperson from West Midlands Ambulance Service said, We were called at around 12.10pm to reports that a patient had fallen at an address on Bilford Road in Worcester. An ambulance and paramedic office were sent to the scene where, on arrival, crews found a man with potentially serious injuries. He was treated by ambulance staff at the scene before being taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital for further treatment. A spokesperson from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said yesterday HWFRS was called out to a rescue from depth in Worcester at 12.14pm today. A Worcester fire station crew attended a leisure centre in Bilford Road to rescue a visually impaired man in his 50s who'd fallen one floor down a lift shaft. Supporting crews were not required and the man was left in the care of the ambulance service. The gym closed yesterday with guests asked to check social media for updates. The swimming pool remained open and classes ran as normal. 
spokesperson from Freedom Leisure said, following the incident at Purdiswell Leisure Centre, our colleagues immediately contacted the emergency services who attended the centre and have subsequently taken the customer to hospital where we hope he will, make a soon, he will soon make a full recovery. We will not be making any further statements pending further investigation and the gym will remain closed until further notice. We urge customers to visit Purdiswell Leisure Centre website and social media for updates and before travelling to the centre to use the gym. Worcester City Council spokesman said we are very sorry to hear about this accident and we hope the gentleman involved makes a full recovery. We will be working with Freedom Leisure to investigate the circumstances around this incident. And the headline on Monday, May the 29th, Cancer nurse missed her own symptoms. I can't believe I didn't realise something was wrong says uh, this lady, Lizzie Bentley. I missed the telltale signs. A radiographer at Worcester Royal Hospital with Hodgkin's lymphoma said she missed her own telltale symptoms despite diagnosing cancer patients. Lizzie Bentley from Great Whitley says she could not believe she didn't realise something was very wrong despite talking to patients about what to look out for. The 30-year-old is a therapeutic radiographer at the hospital's oncology centre and was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in May last year. It forced her to postpone her wedding plans as she went for treatment at the hospital department where she works. She said, when I listed my symptoms, I couldn't believe I did not realise something was wrong sooner, but it is so easy to attribute all these individual symptoms to something else. I didn't see my symptoms as being connected until after I was diagnosed, then it seemed obvious. She had experienced a number of symptoms such as weight loss, serious fatigue, unexplained bruising, chest pain, breathlessness, insomnia with night sweats and intense itching. When she visited her GP, they sent her for more tests at the hospital. She added, Despite spending all my adult life working in an oncology setting, I didn't recognise the symptoms of blood cancer in myself. It's important to be aware of any new or worrying symptoms, and if something in your body doesn't feel right, do speak to your GP so they can investigate. Miss Bentley returned to work after beating the disease, but described her unique situation of being treated by her colleagues and friends. It's strange to be relieved by a cancer diagnosis, but given my professional background, I knew what I had and was likely to be treated properly. Well, not properly, but treat it was treatable, she said. I also felt comforted that I knew I'd be receiving treatment in a familiar environment from a kind and competent team. Within a week, Miss Bentley started chemotherapy treatment at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. However, across her course of treatment, she needed to be admitted to the hospital for three separate stays due to sepsis and mucositis and required resuscitation having been found collapsed and unresponsive at home. In October, Miss Bentley went into remission. Miss Bentley added, being treated by the same department that I work in was a unique experience that allowed me to gain a different perspective altogether. Now I can continue in my career using my first-hand knowledge to help support others with cancer through their treatment and further improve the service that I work in. The whole hospital has been fantastic from diagnosis right through my follow-up. 
I wouldn't want my care anywhere else. They have been incredibly supportive and tolerant. Miss Bentley has now resumed everyday life and has replanned her wedding day. And this um, article is um, about um, shopkeepers' relief as scaffolding removed. Scaffolding taken down. Shopkeepers in Worcester have spoken of their relief after scaffolding was taken down in the city centre. Shops in Broad Street had seen a decrease in footfall as barriers blocked the road while building work um, took place at the old Poundland store. But they are now looking forward to a bumper summer as the bulk of the scaffolding has been removed. The lower part of Broad Street had felt cut off from the rest of the city, said Tim Evans, who runs Toys and Games, and it had been going on for more than 18 months. But now we feel part of the city again. Worcester Bid have even been down here doing the planters and at just the right time so the flowers will bloom in the summer. This has always been a good place to trade and things are looking up at the moment. The builders are in next door at Nevitz, which is going to be a new cafe. Knoll Sports is going to become cosmetic dentistry. It's exciting. We missed out on tourist trade last year because we couldn't see us. They couldn't see us from the street, but we will still had our loyal Worcester customers coming in. I'm glad the scaffolding has gone. We feel reconnected. Rachel Evans of Gift Shop New England said, We've had two years of disruption because of the scaffolding outside Poundland. We can, can't know how much trade we lost in that time, but 100% it would have had a massive effect. But it's gone now. It's half term next week and the summer is coming. We are hopeful that things will improve. We have approached Crown Estate, which owns the Poundland building, for comment. A spokesperson said, in October last year, the works were being undertaken at Angel House and its urgent and essential repairs, and we are fully committed to completing the works as quickly as possible, with safety being our number one priority. However, the works needed are extensive and complicated. We are committed to keeping local traders as informed as possible and keeping lines of communication open throughout the works. To do this, we provide monthly email updates, hold regular information sessions and have dedicated community relations emails address that can be anybody can be contacted at. Okay, this is the uh, headline from Wednesday, May the 31st, Snake Attack. It said, at least three dogs bitten by adder at popular playing field. Snakes are biting dogs. Snakes are being blamed for bite marks appearing on dogs' paws after they've been walking on a busy field. At least three dogs are reported to have been bitten by a snake on Clane's recreation ground along Corn Meadow Lane. Known locally as the Wreck, it's a popular field for dog walkers and there is also a park for children on the next field, next to the 8th Worcester Scout Groups Hall. 
The reports on social media suggest the snake could have been an adder, the UK's only venomous snake, which is protected in the UK under the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981. Councillor Karen Lawrence claims Lib Dem said grass snakes may have been responsible for the puncture marks. She said, I have heard three reports of adders on the rack field, but it was certainly news to me when I heard it. The dogs were all taken to vets in Birmingham after being bitten, and I obviously hope they're okay. But if there are adders in the area, that is good news from an ecological sense. Of course, there are grass snakes as well, which are more common, so it should still have been grass snakes. I think people certainly need to be respectful of the wildlife in the area, so it's something certainly to monitor. A spokesperson from Worcestershire Wildlife Trust said it was more likely to have been a grass snake rather than an adder. Wendy Carter said, Sadly, adder numbers have plummeted in Worcestershire over the last few years, and they're only known to exist in a couple of parts of the county these days. It's always possible that small populations of adders are clinging on in a few places, but in this case, it's more likely that if any dogs were bitten by a snake, it was a grass snake. And the headline for Thursday, June the 1st, that is today, Animals Rescued from Severe Fire. Multiple small animals have been rescued after a severe fire ripped through a building gutting the property. Forty firefighters tackled the blaze at a house by the M5 in Rashwood near Droitwich, which caused long delays on the A38. 80% of the property was damaged by the fire, but the cause is currently unknown. People living nearby were told to keep doors and windows closed. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said, We are tackling a significant building fire off the A38 in Rashwood. We were called out at 11.33am today to the fire. A two-storey domestic building measuring about 10 metres by 40 metres is approximately 80% involved in the fire. All people have been accounted for and multiple small animals were rescued by fire service personnel. Crews are using six breathing apparatus units, two main jets and two hose reel jets to tackle the blaze. Please avoid the area if you can and choose an alternative route. Close doors and windows if smoke is in your vicinity. Two crews from Worcester Fire Station were joined at the scene by Droitwich, Bromsgrove, Redditch, Malvern, Pershaw and Evesham colleagues along with West Midlands firefighters from Northfield. A fire officer at the scene told a Worcester News reporter that the emergency services would be there for at least a few more hours at 1.50pm. Traffic caused by the fire was leading to a gridlocked traffic situation, with drivers confused about what was happening after joining the A38. Two police officers were stood on either side of the emergency service vehicles, which was, were cordoned off with traffic cones. The officers were releasing traffic on either side of the road manually to shorten the delays. Drivers were not able to turn onto Ford Lane from the A38. On the approach to the scene of the fire, a fire hose was also draped across the road, with police guiding cars slowly and safely over. First Bus also announced that due to the fire, its 144 service was diverting via Saltway and Hanbury Road in both directions and was unable to serve bus stops between and including Dodderhill Road to CC Caravans.
A pharmacy has closed suddenly with customers handed notes apologising for the situation. Worcestershire Pharmacy Services has been based at Unit 16 at the Top Barn Business Centre in Holt. Shocked staff claim they have, hand been, have handed out all outstanding prescriptions amid the surprise closure. In a note handed out to customers, staff at Worcestershire Pharmacy Services wrote, To our valued patient, we are not sure if you are aware, on Friday May the 26th we received notification that WPS was put into administration and we are no longer able to operate as a pharmacy. I'm sure this will have much have come as much of a shock to you as it has to us. We have returned all outstanding prescriptions which you will be able to access at any alternative pharmacy. Apologies for the vague letter, but as you can appreciate, we were all rather upset. From all of us, a reporter visited the site today, Wednesday, and the unit's shutters were down on the outside of the building. The pharmacy's mention on the unit information board has also been removed. On Company's House website, the listing for the business contains no mention of the firm being in administration. Next headline is Housing Firm Fails to Help. A man who had to borrow money from his mother to fix a wall has slammed a housing association for not helping him. Robert Stinton of Poick lives in a property rented from Platform Housing and says the Housing Association has not repaired his garden wall despite him waiting since February. Mr Stinton has a variety of medical conditions including asthma, pins in his knees due to a motorcycle crash, PTSD and he suffers with migraines. He's also concerned that his dogs will escape through the gaps left by the damaged wall. Mr Stinton said, I have had to borrow £600 from my mother to buy fencing panels and equipment to temporarily fix it myself. I even had to break a table that we had to cover a gap in the fence where the dogs could jump out from. I'm just shocked that nobody has called us about this because they know it's an issue. It's ridiculous. Pictures taken by Mr Stinton show the broken wall and the fencing panels that have been put up to counteract the damage. He said, my wall was damaged by frost and became extremely crumbly and damaged, which I was concerned about because I have two dogs. I contacted Platform Housing and they came out two or three days later and made the wall safe and I was told that at some point it would be repaired. That was back in February and we're now in May and it's still not fixed. A spokesperson for Platform Housing said the work will be scheduled but will not take priority over other jobs. They said, the wall has been made safe. Whilst we appreciate the inconvenience to Mr Stinton, there's no risk to Mr Stinton or the public. We will be rebuilding the top of the wall to restore it to its previous height. This work will be scheduled as soon as possible but will not take precedence over more urgent work. Mr Stinton previously contacted the Worcester News last year claiming the ceiling in his house had fallen through due to water damage caused by vermin in the roof. 
an optician in Droitwich is calling for customers to donate items to the local food bank. Spec savers in Salter's shopping centre are collecting items including tinned meat and fish, biscuits and small jars of coffee for the food bank, which is run by the Trussell Trust. Sadly, with the ongoing cost of living crisis, more and more people in local communities have to rely on this vital service. And with the summer school summer holidays just around the corner, making sure families with children have access to food can make a huge difference. We're always bowled over by the support we get from our customers and the wider community in response to appeals like this. And we've no doubt that if people can, they'll make a donation, said Emma Singh, store director at Specsavers. The team in store is also donating what they can and we'd like to say a very big thank you to everyone who has donated so far. <clears throat> the Trussell Trust provides emergency food and support to those in need across UK. With 1,300 food banks nationally, the organisation works hard to help those who have fallen on hard times or are living in poverty. As part of their work, the Trust has also set out a five-year plan to end hunger in the UK by increasing the in available funds to help pay for necessities. To make a donation, you can drop off any items at the store located at Salter's Shopping Centre, Unit 10, St Andrews Square. Ex-police officer is charged. A former West Mercia police officer has been charged with misconduct in public office. Former PC Mark Cranfield, 50, has also been charged with three counts of computer misuse. The officer is alleged to have attempted to pursue an inappropriate sexual or emotional relationship with a woman victim of a crime he had met through his duties. He is also alleged to have accessed police systems for information without a policing licence. The charges arise from an IOPC investigation following a referral about the officer's conduct from West Mercia Police in July 2021. The IOPC said that he had been suspended by West Mercia Police and has also now resigned from the force. On completion of the investigation last year, the IOPC sent a file of evidence to the Crown Prosecution Service, which has since authorised the criminal charges. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, A former West Mercia Police officer has been charged with misconduct in a public office. Mark Cranfield, 50, who was a PC based at Ludlow Police Station, is due to appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on the 1st of June. The charge follows an investigation by the Independent Office for Police Conduct. As soon as the allegations came to light, the officer was suspended. To ensure court proceedings now can uh, now progress with sorry I'll start again to ensure court proceedings can now progress without prejudice West Mercia police will not comment further at this stage however he will do so when we are able to on the conclusion of court proceedings headline next headline is police drop case into sneaky scam Staff at a popular pub that fell victim to a sneaky scam 
have admitted defeat after they say police dropped its case. The Swan Inn on Barbourne Road has apparently had its case dropped after there was not enough evidence. Worcester News has contacted West Mercia Police for a comment. The popular family pub was scammed after a man claimed the pub owed him money for guttering work. The owner of the pub, Ryan Maund, said the venue was under renovations and various people were hired to help with the work. He said the scammer provided the bar manager, who regularly deals with invoices, with an invoice detailing accurate personal details of his and even offered to show her his work. However, Mr Maund has not hired the man and no guttering work had been completed. Mr Maund said he's done this to loads of customers and he's going to continue doing it if he's not caught. After police close the case, they probably won't find him and he will never come to Worcester again. He probably goes from one place to another doing this. At the time, the bar manager paid the scammer £88 and the scam was only discovered later after she spoke to Mr Maund on the phone. After the scam, the owner said he told his fellow pub owners and was surprised that their business had experienced the same scam recently. Mr Maund added, everyone is struggling in this day and age and the cost of everything is increasing. We're trying to keep costs as low as possible and there are people scamming us. We are a small, independent business. We're not a brewery pub, it's just me. I do feel bad for the bar manager and as she has become a victim of this and it's not her fault, he's an experienced scammer. It was all very believable. A dog charity has launched an urgent appeal. Dogs Trust Evesham is encouraging pet lovers to sign up to become volunteer foster carers. The charity is facing record numbers of inquiries from people wanting to hand over their dogs. Sarah Galvin, Home and Home Coordinator, Home from Home Coordinator at Dogs Trust Evesham, said, "We are facing a crisis as our kennel space is really stretched." We need to act now to be there for as many dogs as possible. Fostering a dog is a great opportunity for dog lovers who are currently unable to have a dog of their own. Fosterers are essential to the Dogs Trust freeing up room at the charity's rehousing centres. Dogs Trust covers essential costs while foster carers provide some extra TLC in a home environment, which is especially important for dogs recovering from veterinary treatment older dogs and those who struggled to settle in at rehoming centres. One such foster carer is Annie Poulton who has fostered 16 dogs over the past two years from Shih Tzus to German Shepherds. She has fostered older dogs, puppy dogs that are poorly and some that are at the end of their life. She said, I've owned dogs all my life, so when I finally came to the decision that I could no longer take on the commitment and cost of having a dog of my own, I wanted to do whatever I could to help others. I love them all so much, but also knowing that when, what I am doing is helping dogs trust, take in more dogs and give them the special care they need, it spurs me on. Since the Home From Home scheme was launched at Dogs Trust Evesham in 2013, almost a thousand dogs have been cared for by foster carers. Currently, the scheme has 35 foster carers, but with a waiting list of dogs needing to come into Dogs Trust, Sarah is asking local dog lovers to get, get in touch as soon as possible. 
We have dogs who are ready to be fostered and may need a temporary home for just a few days or for several months, she said. One foster carer gave our dogs valuable experience of home life and they got to know just what makes them tick. To find out more, visit dogstrust.org.uk foster or call 020-7837-0006. Right, Worcester Sport, Thursday the 1st of June. Excitement. English Test Captain Ben Stokes is looking forward to seeing Josh Tung make his debut against Ireland. England Test Captain Ben Stokes is looking forward to watching Worcestershire's bowler Josh Tung on his debut tomorrow against Ireland at Lords. The 25-year-old was named in the English Test Squad for the pre-Ashes warm-up test with Ireland at Lords this week, starting on Thursday. Tung, who is a product of the Worcestershire CCC Academy, will make his debut in the match having impressed through the winter with the English Lions squad out in Sri Lanka. And now he will have the chance to prove he has what it takes on the biggest stage in front of his new captain, Ben Stokes. With the ashes just around the corner, Stokes says that the opportunity to give Tung a crack at the whip was one he couldn't look past. It was between Wokesy, Chris Wokes, and Tungy for this game. The way we looked at it was everyone knows what Chris offers to the team in terms of all-round ability with ball and bat. We see this as an opportunity to give Josh Tung an opportunity not just to see what he can do, but to see what his character is like and how he influences the game in the role he plays. I would see he would play if he played a few more games this summer. I think it was just a great opportunity and something we couldn't look past. Tungy has been someone who's been spoken about ever since he first came on and played for Worcestershire. He's someone who possesses a bit more pace than most of the guys who've been spoken about as the next guys in line, and he started off pretty well this year with Worcestershire. <coughs> Having someone who's able to bowl with that extra pace so he can come on and change the way the game is going and have that X factor is always great to have in your side. I'm looking forward to getting him involved and watching him get his test cap tomorrow. The game will be shown live on Sky Sports Cricket and Sky Sports Main event from 10am on Thursday morning. Worcester City Football. Uh, Worcester City are no longer a fan-owned club after trust votes in favour of new investment. And Supporters Trust Chairman thanks fans following a crucial ownership vote. Worcester City Supporters Trust has thanked fans following a crucial vote. An overwhelming majority of City supporters have agreed to sell their 51% share in the club to new investor and current director Simon Lancaster. Now chairman of the Supporters Trust, Rob Crean, has penned a letter thanking the fans for their input on this important decision. He wrote... The Board of the Supporters Trust would like to thank all the members who voted to allow 51% of the football club shares held by the Trust to be transferred to Simon Lancaster. 
The letter continued, The Trust Board are working with Simon to agree the heads of terms which will be the basis of the safeguards that will be put in place in a legally binding document and signed by both parties to enable Simon to become the majority shareholder of Worcester City Football Club. We are all agreed that this is the start of an exciting future for the club, but also aware that the success of WCFC will depend on everyone working together to make it happen. We are all committed to the partnership between Simon, the Supporters Trust and the club board moving the club forward, engaging with fans along the way. Up the city. A special meeting was held at New Road, home of Worcester, Worcestershire CCC, on Wednesday. During the meeting, a vote was held which saw 98.8% of trust members voting in favour of the proposal. The result means Lancaster will become the majority owner of the club, with City having been fan-owned since 2021, following years of financial problems after the club's voluntary relegation from the Conference North, now National League North. Speaking afterwards, Lancaster set his sights in guiding the Blues back to the higher levels of non-league football. I am confident that it offers an exciting new future alongside many protections to safeguard the future of the club, which will be overseen by the Trust, he said. But this is not the end. This is just the beginning. We can't put our feet up or pat ourselves on the back and say well done. We're at rock bottom and we have a mountain to climb to get to where we need to be. But let's climb it together as one club and let's enjoy the club. (coughs) Um, And this is another sport article, (coughs) and it's um, Coach praises the crowd's support as Adam Finch smashes Rapids to a stunning victory in Blast. Um, The crowd got behind Worcestershire Rapids to help them power their way to a home victory over Yorkshire Vikings. Kadir Ali says the Worcestershire Rapids players feed off the great backing they receive from supporters during Friday's dramatic Vitality Blast win at New Road. Worcestershire's assistant head coach is hoping for more of the same sort of backing when the Rapids take on Leicestershire Foxes at New Road today. There were great scenes of joy all around the ground when Adam Finch hit the winning six against the Vikings with one ball to spare. Kadia said, the crowd were absolutely brilliant on Friday and we want to see the guys again on Monday and give us more great backing and support. It makes such a difference. The lads really buzz off it and the boys really love playing at New Road and having such great backing. Monday's game is a sellout with the Rapids looking to maintain their 100% to the tournament. Kadia said, To win T20 games, there are always going to be one or two special performances, but you need the team effort. Everyone is chipping in at the minute, whether with bat, ball or in the field. It is always good to start campaigns positively. There is a really nice atmosphere in the changing room, morale is high and we are looking forward to the next game now. But every side in the tournament is dangerous and you can't take anyone lightly. We've just got to keep doing what we are doing and take every game as it comes. There are dangerous players in every single team. 
we have to keep doing simple things well and keep working hard and keep trying to perform. We will work hard, prep for it again. Right, another item is uh, Paxman hosts his final episode. Journalist and broadcaster Jeremy Paxman has hosted his final episode of BBC's University Challenge after 29 years. The 73-year-old hosted the quiz show since it was revived at the BBC in 1994, but has now ended his run after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Signing off the show, Paxman said, It remains for me to thank Young Chang for presenting the trophy, all the teams who have entertained us over the past months, and you for watching. University Challenge returns later in the year, and I look forward to watching it with you. So it's good night from me, good night. Paxman is set to be replaced by journalist and broadcaster Amal Rajan, who is the third host of the programme in its 61-year-old history. Across his 29 years on the show, Paxman became famous for his disapproving looks and combative style that seen him clash with a number of contestants. Born in Leeds, Paxman began his broadcasting career at the BBC's Graduate Trainee Programme in 1972. He worked in local radio and reported on the troubles in Belfast. And shortly after moving to London in 1977, he transferred from tonight to investigative flag flagship programme Panorama. He also had stints on the 6 o'clock news and BBC One's Breakfast Time. The final episode saw Durham University become the 2022-2023 University Challenge champions. The quiz show is set to return this summer with both a new title sequence and a batch of students. West Midland Safari Park is set to introduce mandatory drive-through time slots and reactions have been mixed to the rule change. Visitors will now have to book a dedicated time slot online to go around the safari drive-through at the popular Budley attraction. The new change will be in place from June the 5th and it also means guests will only be able to travel along the drive-through once. In a post on Facebook, the safari park said, We've listened to all the feedback we've had about the length of time it can take guests to travel our four-mile safari drive-through and we'll now be introducing safari drive-through time slots from the 5th of June. When booking online from this date, you'll be asked to select a mandatory time slot to visit our safari drive-through park. If you arrive at the park without pre-booked tickets, you'll need to park up in our car park and head over to the ticket office to purchase your tickets and reserve an available slot. You can still enter the walkthrough areas as soon as the park opens, even if your, saf your safari time slot is later in the day, and can re-enter the walkthrough areas as many times as you like throughout your day. There's lots to see and lots to discover. Reacting to the announcement, some said that the new rule change was a shame. Jane Sumner said, So we can only go around the safari park once now. I'd love to know who suggested that as a good idea. Amy Pierce said, This is a shame. We came from Wirral. We drove two hours to get there and we had a lovely safari, but the giraffes weren't out on our first time round. We went, we went round again and specifically to see the giraffes and had the most amazing experience with them. 
with the new rule being going that you only get one trip, trip round the safari park once we wouldn't have had that at all and we wouldn't have had that experience. However, other safari park fans were supportive of the decision and welcomed the change. Claire Moss said, Fantastic idea. I was put off returning after the time it took to go through the safari last time. Ignore the negative feedback. This will be a godsend, especially in school holidays. Karen Louise said, I've been to the safari park many times and only ever driven through once, regardless if all the animals are out or not. There's so much to do there with the fun rides and, and lunch and walking around that we never had time to drive through again anyway. A Morven College <coughs> pupil is to follow in the footsteps of Dame Helen Mirren, Daniel Craig, Ro Rosamond Pike Pike and Daniel Day-Lewis after landing a place in the National Youth Theatre. Each year, around 6,000 young people from across the country auditioned for the NYT's illustrious um, summer courses, but only 500 are lucky enough to win places. Libby Jackson, who's 16, secured her place after attending an audition day held at Bristol in March. This involved a three-hour workshop followed by an individual audition with a director from NYT where she had to perform two contrasting monologues of her choice. Now Libby has been told she has a place on the coveted active, um, acting course. This will see her take part in a two-week residential with the NYT in Bristol where she will experience working as a team in an ensemble theatre company and will have the opportunity to work with a professional theatre director. Following this deep dive into theatrical world, Libby will become an acting member of the National Youth Theatre. Libby, who is currently sitting her GCSEs, is a drama and musical theatre scholar. Her most recent stage appearance was in the role of Fontaine in the college's production of Les Miserables. Libby said, I'm absolutely thrilled to have been offered this place. I love drama and theatre and love performing and this experience with the NYT will teach me so much. I can't wait to get started. The NYT, whose alumni also includes the likes of David Williams, Hugh Bonneville, Jessica Hines, Rupert Penry Jones and Orlando Bloom, was established in 1956 as the world's first youth theatre. Keith Packham, director of drama at Malvern College, said, This is a fantastic achievement. Libby has huge potential. Right, Monday, May the 29th, Mystery Surrounds Coffee Shop Future. Mystery Surrounds work taking place at a former Mexican restaurant in Worcester, which is being transformed into a coffee shop. Work was carrying on at the weekend at the former Bodega Bar and Cantina in Fulgate Street near the railway station, and a new sign has gone up with the letters JNCTN, short for Junction. There's a listing online for a coffee shop called Junction offering dine-in and takeaway services at the address, 14 Fulgate Street. 
However, a workman at the site today declined to give details about the business, reveal opening times or describe the nature of the venture when approached by a reporter. He also declined to say whether he was responsible for the business or simply a builder or contractor working on site. Some building work still appeared to be underway inside the premises with a grey works van parked outside and ladders visible inside. The building is right next to Fourgate Street Railway Station. We reported last year that Bodega Bar and Cantina had shut the doors to its public but owner Max Scriven had told customers the hope was to reopen in February of last year. At the time the closure was attributed to management staff shortages which they were unable to address. In October last year a toilet sign appeared on the premises. The restaurant was part of a small chain of Bodega Cantinis with venues in Birmingham, Leamington Spa and Leicester. Before that, ten years ago now, the building was the home of a bakery, Fourgate Patisserie, which closed its doors at that location in June 2013. The company had been a feature of the city's re retail landscape since the late 1970s, opening a second branch in St John's three years after the first shop opened near Fourgate Street's railway bridge. We reported at the time how the company, which had roots going back to 1900, used ovens which were 108 years old to bake traditional rustic-style bread. Fifteen people were arrested and hundreds of knives surrendered during a police operation. West Mercia Police has shared the result from Operation Scepter, a national campaign which aims to tackle knife crime. Over the course of last week, 231 knives were deposited into surrender bins placed around the region, <coughs> including one in Worcester. In total, 15 people were arrested, with police carrying out 87 stop searches between Monday May the 15th and Sunday May the 22nd. West Mercia officers made 178 visits to schools and held 37 community events, as well as making 50 diversionary visits. Police also visited 207 retailers to office advice and carried out 10 test purchases to ensure shops were complying with the law and not selling children um, children to anyone under 18. I think they mean knives to anyone under 18. Superintendent Edward Hancock said, We were pleased to once again be involved in Operation Scepter. The dedicated week of action gives us an opportunity to highlight the work we do all year round to tackle knife crime. While our level of knife crime is relatively low across Herefordshire, Shropshire and Worcester, we are not complacent and we know that incidents do happen, often with devastating consequences. One incident is one too many, which is why we will not stop in our work to bring down the level of knife crime even further. During the week, police also joined up with the NHS to highlight vital first aid people can give to someone who has been stabbed. Superintendent Hancock added, Police alone cannot tackle knife crime and the support we have from our partner agencies, such as expert advice from the NHS, is absolutely crucial in helping prevent the number of people killed or seriously injured by a knife. 
While much of our work focuses on prevention and early intervention to stop a knife incident in the first place, if someone is stabbed, first aid in the initial aftermath could potentially be the difference between life and death. New accessible toilets designed to help with disabilities and special needs are set to open in the city centre. The facilities will be built next to the Corn Market car park in Worcester after plans to loan £20,000 to fund the work were backed by councillors. The accessible toilets, which will cost £80,000, would come equipped with hoists, benches and extra space to help people with disabilities and special educational needs. Worcester City Council has blamed rising building costs on the need to borrow £20,000 to pay for the accessible toilets and this comes after as much as £60,000 was handed to the council in 2021 after a successful bid for government funding. The work is expected to start later this year. The facilities in the corn market would be Worcester's third changing places facilities alongside toilets at the Hive Library and the University of Worcester St John's campus. Labour councillor Robin Norfolk, who is the council's equality, diversity and inclusion champion, said building the accessible toilets would be good for business and the city. It will help disabled people and the carers of disabled people, she said at the meeting of the Policy and Resources Committee in the Guildhall on Tuesday. The city is a tourist destination and evidence suggests that with changing places toilets, football from disabled people will increase and spending and dwell time will increase. A changing places loo in the city centre will not be just good for business, but it will be good for the city. Green councillor Eleanor Round said the new facilities would be an excellent addition for the city centre, but was worried about the number of disabled parking spaces there would be available for people using the new toilets. My family have been great users of these facilities. With my son, she said, they're absolutely crucial, but I do have some concerns about parking. Councillor Round queried whether the council would reserve a disabled parking space or add extra ones for the new accessible toilets, as the current spaces were always full and it was difficult to park. Sean Stroud, the Council's Director for Planning and Governance, said the car parking and whether any extra disabled spaces could be provided. Would he look, would he look at the, sorry, uh, it's the, uh, the, the typing I think that um, I'm struggling with. He's asking somebody to be, look at the staff before the toilets were built. The next uh, headline is called More Delays for Housing and this was Saturday May the 27th. Work to turn a former city swimming pool into housing which has already been hit by years of delay is now not expected to be finished until at least 2025. Worcester City Council has been forced to push back the time it expects 
the redevelopment of Sansom Walk Swimming Pool to be finished to March 2025 in another setback for the much delayed plan to build new houses and flats on the site. With the former pool now demolished, negotiations continue between the City Council and Sanctuary Housing over the share of the cost as the site is ready for work to finally begin. The Council said the work to make the site suitable to build housing has been agreed in principle, but work is set to be delayed until at least autumn this year and has pushed back its due date to March 2025 when it expects the new flats and houses to be finished. The deadline on agreement is fast approaching with talks needing to be resolved by the end of June when contracts confirming the deal between the City Council and Sanctuary Housing have to be signed so building could start. A spokesperson for Sanctuary said the site remains in the ownership of Worcester City Council and we are continuing commercial negotiations to complete the purchase of the site so redevelopment can begin. Given that negotiations are ongoing, it wouldn't be appropriate for us to make any further comment at the present time. The crumbling Sanson Walk swimming pool closed after 46 years in 2016 with the opening of the multi-million pound Purdiswell Leisure Centre and having seen the asbestos-ridden building become a site of vandalism and antisocial behaviour, it was eventually demolished in 2021 at an estimated cost of 2.64 million after years of setbacks and delays. The council agreed to move ahead with demolishing the building in January 2017 before the dividing the land would be used for the new homes later that summer. City Council had then agreed to sell the site to Sanctuary Housing and YMCA in March 2018 and the plans revealed to convert the site in 22 two-bedroom shared ownership homes, 76 accommodation units for 18 to 35-year-olds and a business and enterprise hub. But the transformation of the eyesore former swimming pool has been plagued by long delays and asbestos with the council finding more of the harmful material in the building than it expected in 2017 and 2018, which created another stumbling block in front of the plan to have the building demolished in early 2019. It was then said that demolition would start in February 2020, with the council expecting the work to have been finished by the end of the year. A 12-year-old boy and a 45-year-old woman are in a critical condition in hospital after being rescued from a house fire in Honeybourne near Evesham. Emergency services were called to the property on Dudley Road shortly after midday on Tuesday, May the 30th. Fire crews were unable to retrieve the woman and child from the burning building as flames engulfed two floors. Both victims were assessed for life-threatening injuries and taken to Birmingham's <coughs> Queen Elizabeth Hospital and the Children's Hospital for further treatment. Both were in critical condition as the Worcester News went to press. A police spokesperson said, We were called by the fire service at 12.20pm on Tuesday the 30th of May to a house in Honeybourne. Two people, a 45-year-old woman and a 12-year-old child, were taken to hospital with life-threatening injuries. They remain in a critical condition. The circumstances are not yet fully known and an investigation is underway.
At this stage, it appears an isolated incident and no other people are believed to be involved. The woman and boy were rescued from a first floor window and three dogs were also retrieved from the property. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service confirmed the fire was extinguished just before 1pm. Crews from Evesham, Broadway and Pershaw fire stations all attended along with the Warwickshire Fire and Rescue Services crew from Ulster. Six breathing apparatus units and one hose reel jet were used to tackle the severe blaze. A fire service spokesperson said a severe fire involving a semi-detached two-storey house affected both the ground and first floors. A woman and boy were rescued from a first-floor bedroom by fire service personnel wearing breathing apparatus. They were left in the care of the ambulance service who were in attendance. All people were accounted for and neighbouring properties were checked. The fire was fully extinguished by 12.56, while three dogs had also been rescued from the property. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said three ambulances, one paramedic officer, the hazard, hazardous area response team, two Midland Air ambulances and a basics emergency doctor attended the scene. A free concert in a Worcester park <coughs> will raise funds for a city charity. The Worcester Snoozling Party in the park is taking place in Cripplegate Park on Sunday, June the 4th, between 2pm and 4pm. It is being organised by St John's councillor Richard Oodle, alongside the charity and the Friends of Cripplegate Park. Worcester Snoozling Centre is an independent charity specifically set up to offer multi-storey, sorry, multi-sensory and creative activities for people who have a diverse range of needs. Councillor Oodle said, we had such a great time with Worcester Snoozling last year, we wanted to do it again. Hopefully this will now become an annual event. It allows both the Snoozling and the Friends of Cripplegate Park to fundraise and provides free entertainment. Last year it was widely accepted that Snoozling provided the best event of the summer in the park, with so many people enjoying the fun, music and dance. I even picked up a tambourine and joined in. Refreshments including cakes and ice cream will be on sale at the Sons of Rest. It promises to be a great afternoon in the sun for all the family. Okay, headline, Friday, May the 26th, End This Dangerous Rhetoric. The county's refugee support groups in the county are calling on councils to speak out against dangerous and inflammatory language used against asylum seekers. Voluntary organisations from across Worcestershire, which support refugees and asylum seekers, have joined forces to send open letters to local authorities outlining their opposition to inaccurate language that increases violent prejudice and danger towards people seeking sanctuary. The groups, which include Worcester City Welcomes Refugees, are demanding that the current immigration debate, which they claim is dominated by deeply concerning rhetoric, should be countered with balanced and factual arguments. The open letter was delivered to all councils in Worcester Worcestershire on Monday, May 22nd, to highlight the widespread and inaccurate use of the phrase 
illegal asylum seeker by some politicians and national newspapers. The groups say that under UK and international law, any person has the right to seek asylum and it's only when the application has been turned down and they refuse to leave should they be described as illegal. Brian Darwood, Chair of Worcester City, welcomes refugees, said using the term illegal asylum seeker to describe somebody turning to the UK for safety, having fled unimaginable violence and horror, was not only inaccurate but designed to create prejudice and animosity. The use of words like invasion and swarm also paints an entirely false image when we're talking about a relatively small number of people who have invariably fled war, torture or persecution, he said. These are desperate human beings who deserve compassion and support. They're not individuals who should be vilified. Almost always, refugees and asylum seekers would want to stay in their home countries if they were able to live there freely and safely. That's the reality of the situation. But instead, most of them have had to endure immense personal trauma to get here. That's why hundreds of volunteers across the county, together with the support of local councils, are committed to helping refugees and asylum seekers gain the sanctuary they need and to support them as they try to settle into the British way of life. This volunteer army shows that despite the media rhetoric, our county communities are actually compassionate and caring and willing to offer the hand of kindness and friendship to those who, at the end of the day, are just ordinary humans, no different from us. The groups are also full of praise for the efforts made by councils in Worcestershire to welcome and support refugees and asylum seekers, encouraging the County Council to apply for a Council of Sanctuary UK award to recognise its widespread compassion. Poachers were spotted illegally fishing on the River Severn in Worcester. The Environment Agency said illegal fishing was taking place along the banks of the River Severn on Monday, May the 29th. Despite the incident being reported, there were no officers in the area to attend the incident, said the Environment Agency. A spokesperson for the Environment Agency said, We can confirm that the incident of illegal fishing on the River Severn was reported to the, to the agency. Unfortunately, on this occasion, we did not have fisheries enforcement officers available in the area who were able to attend. However, we use such intelligence to inform our future fisheries enforcement work and ask that anyone with information about illegal fishing activities to contact the Environment Agency Incident Hotline, which is open 24-7 and this is on 0800 807-060 or anonymously call Crime Stoppers on 0800 555-111. Fisheries enforcement work is intelligence-led, targeting known hotspots and where illegal fishing is reported. The Environment Agency carries out enforcement work all year round and is supported by partners including the Police and the Angling Trust. According to the Environment Agency, any angler aged 13 or over fishing on a river, canal or still water needs a licence to fish. A single day licence costs £6 and an annual licence currently costs just £30 with junior licences free for 13 to 16 year olds. Licences are available from www.gov.uk 
get a fishing license or by calling the Environment Agency. West Mercia Police said they were unaware of the incident. A Morven <coughs> restaurant is turning the empty shop unit next door into a deli. The old cobbler's off Church Street is being transformed by the owner of the pig who has been waiting a full year to take it over. And now she's finally got the keys, Carly Wayman is wasting no time in refurbishing the shop with some practical help from husband Tim. The cobblers asked if we wanted to take over the shop a year ago as they were going to concentrate their efforts in Barnard's Green, said Carly. It was a bit of a no-brainer, really. We thought about extending the restaurant, but then we came up with the deli idea. There's nowhere like it in Great Morven, somewhere you can just walk in and buy an apple or get everything you need for your evening meal, and it's all fresh quality produce. <clears throat> it's really exciting. I think to see the transformation from what it is now to the finished deli, it's going to be very special. Right now, the space is an empty shell, but Carly has a vision of where everything will be in the finished deli. Stud walls are going up. We're putting new window sills, doors, flooring, wiring and lighting, she said. We want to open as soon as possible, really. Being open in time for the summer holidays would be ideal. The business model for the deli means it will operate as close to zero waste as possible. Dried food, such as rice, will be in large dispensable containers while fresh food not sold in the deli will be used in the restaurant. We've already lined up a few local suppliers including for dairy products said Carly. We'll use Worcester produce for our fruit and veg and Wallers in Ledbury for our meat. Some things we'll make right here in the restaurant our quiches, sausage rolls, chutneys and jams will all become homemade. And 90% of the menu in the gluten, sorry, in the restaurant is gluten free, so we will want to continue that in the deli. Ancient axe head history is revealed. The age of a Viking axe found near Pershaw has been revealed. Metal detectorist Stephen Gray discovered the striking object in the field in Drake's Broughton last year. After being sent to Essex Coins auction for examination, it's now been confirmed that it could be as much as 1,200 years old. The official report states it's from between 800 AD and 1500 AD, but adds that it's a Peterson-type G-axe. In any case, Mr Gray, 54, is delighted with the find. Within minutes of it coming out of the ground, I had Viking experts living in Scandinavia confirming it's Viking, at least in their opinion. I'm going to take the axe to local schools and events and give talks. Mr Gray moved to Evesham seven years ago to marry his late wife, Rachel, who died from cancer three years ago. He often goes searching with Ra Rachel's 17-year-old dog, Buster. They were all but ready to head home on September the 23rd last year when his detector came up with an iron signal. He said nobody in the hobby wants to dig iron, it's not what we look for. I dug it up anyway 
and 15 inches down found a Viking axe dating from 800 AD to 950 AD. Mr Grey explained that in 941 AD, Edmund, son of Edward the Elder, gave the abbey at Evesham to a pair of Viking raiders named Athelm and Ulric, who drove away the monks and tenants and occupied the site. There was every chance my battle axe was a monk slayer, which kind of blows my mind, really, said Mr Grey. The report describes the axe head as heavily corroded, with the tips of the blade now missing. It adds, a more precise date cannot be attributed to this type of axe head was used from the early medieval period through to the late medieval. The object measures 170mm in length and 90mm in width. A Worcester man drove without a licence or insurance on a busy city road. Kieran Geegan, 44, drove an Audi A4 on the Ombersley Road without a licence, which allowed him to drive the vehicle or the relevant third-party insurance on Saturday, November the 5th. Geegan of Bromyard Road had both charges proved in single justice procedure at Worcester Magistrates Court on Friday, May the 5th. He was fined a total of £900 for both offences and was ordered to pay a surcharge to fund victim services of £352. Geegan was also made to pay costs of £90 and his driving record was endorsed with six points. He has until Friday June the 16th to pay the total balance of £1,322. And that's where we finish this evening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed some of the items or all the items and uh, gained something from uh, the headline news this week. Um, I now read the thought for the week. This um, is from Psalm 90, verses 1 to 4. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were Born, born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like the watch in the night. And now the obituaries for this week. Simon Sugden passed away on the 9th of May, aged 67 years. A funeral service will take place at Wire Forest Crematorium on Friday the 9th of June at 3.30pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired are for the local Macmillan nurses, care of Edwin Harris and Sons Limited, Watton Crane Street, Kidderminster, DY11 6XT. Jeremy Duggan passed away on the 7th of May at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Uh, his funeral will take place on the 6th of June at 13.45. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to the Queen Elizabeth Kidney Patient Association. Um, and uh, there isn't any mention of which, co uh, which funeral directors there, I'm afraid. So um, if you know the family, that's perhaps the way to, to get in touch with them. Michael Everall, um, he was uh, he died um, on the fifth of June at two. No, I'm so sorry, I've read that incorrectly. He died. It doesn't give a date. It just says he was born in 1949 and died in 2023. 
The funeral would take place at the Vale Crematorium on Monday the 5th of June at 2pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations in memory of Mike to the RSPCA can be made online or via the charity box at the crematorium. Mourners are not to wear dark clothing, please, at Mike's request. Again, there is no funeral director mentioned there. Judith Ford passed peacefully away on the 8th of May, aged 71 years. Her funeral service is at St Barnabas Church on Tuesday the 6th of June at 11.30am, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Barnabas Church or St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Myrtle Gilbert, knee Clark, passed away... Um, Ah, no, again, it doesn't say the date that she died, but her funeral is to be held at St Gabriel's Church, Hanley Swan, on Tuesday the 13th of June at half past one. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired to the work of Alzheimer's Society, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Morven. Rosalind Preen passed away on the 11th of May, and her funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 8th of June at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired to the Stroke Association. Again, there is no funeral director mentioned there. Edward Josbury Clark passed away suddenly on the 9th of May, aged 89 years. Um, the funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 5th of June at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please, but donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Michael Hallett died peacefully on the 9th of May, aged 86 years. The funeral will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 7th of June at 12.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations in aid of Alzheimer's Society may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL. And Robert Owen... Uh, who was also called Bob or Taff. Um, he passed away on the 9th of May, aged 83 years. His funeral service will take place at the crematorium in Worcester, Aswood Cemetery. It, the, um, it is at, on the 2nd of June at 3.15pm and all are welcome. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for Midlands Air Ambulance and they may also be sent directly to the charity. Gwynfryn Cambridge passed away at Worcester Hospital on Sunday the 14th of May. The funeral will be held on the 9th of June at 11.30am at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only and donations to Macmillan Cancer Support, please, if, if required, if it's desired. Marilyn Potter passed away um, 
on the 20th of May, aged 77. The funeral will be held at St Thomas's Church, Crown East, at 11.30am on Tuesday the 13th of June, followed by a private family interment. Donations in memory of Marilyn for Dementia UK may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, The Coach House, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT. Gerald Robinson uh, passed away on the 11th of May. His funeral is on the 7th of June at 1 o'clock at the Vale Crematorium, Evesham Road, uh, Evesham, WR10 2QR. Family flowers only, donations to cancer research. Iris Smith passed away on the 11th of May. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 2nd of June at 11.30am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Catherine Hill passed away at home with their family with her on Tuesday the 9th of May. Um, her, her funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 5th of June at 11.30. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired to the Dogs Trust may be left in the donation box. Mavis Williams passed away on 18th of May, aged 86 years, and she was at home. Um, the funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 6th of June at 10am, followed by burial at Astwood Cemetery. Please send all floral tributes to Worcester Co-op, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Donations, if desired, would be gratefully received for Dementia UK. All inquiries to Worcester Co-op uh, at Lowesmore, as I said, and the telephone number is 01905 22137. And Harold Slater, known as John, uh, passed peacefully away on the 12th of May, aged 85. The funeral was to celebrate his life will be held on the 7th of June at 2.30pm at Wire Forest Crematorium, followed by beers and cheers at the Crown and Sands Ombersley. And there's no mention of a funeral director there. Our condolences go to all family and friends of those people uh, and uh, our thoughts are with them.